Blog Talk Radio. Peace to the God. You already know, man. Yo, yo. Bohemian wizardry, you fraud them thieves be killing me. The enemy is close, you both lies on our identity. I feel like he who stepped, architect like M. Hotel. Son had the son himself to guard deadly with the art of fit dark with a slit heart. You can feel it in your bone marrow before the shit starts. Standing in the cold with a scroll that was written in gold. Behold the old glimpse that was never untold. Infinite like the eight, seven dwelling in your melon. No felon, though the unrighteous say that I'm rebellious. I'm primal, my rhyme suicidal. I worship no idols. My style of the gems going down in a spiral. You stuck in your root. My intelligence past my cool. The God is the truth. Every time I step in the booth, you stepped on the stoop. Got Scoop the swoop in my loop Do the knowledge Whack them seeds Get played like flu It was the son of the saw A gift from the gods Who rules flying through the sky With golden wings Submerged into the light Knighted by the golden king With the scepter of justice Melanin cultivating chi Until we are Ethereans Finally becoming one With the righteous sun Solar Souls are raw Magnificent glow With unconditional love Scattered rays for days From the heavens above So below The souls Just trapped in the lowest depths of hell Incarnated into 76 trillion cells To break free We must be refined Masculine and feminine Properties combined The devil is the author of confusion 183,000 divisions Denomination sets code schisms and isms. Yo, isn't it written in the Bible that Jesus spoke in parables? The scriptures and gospels aren't just historical. Many passages weren't meant to be taken literal. Most of it is allegorical based on esoteric principles. Baptist versus Methodist, Pentecostal holiness versus Jehovah Witness, Mormons versus Seven Day Advances, skeptics, atheists, and agnostics, divine and cosmic tactics of the reptilians, lower fourth dimensional aliens. So beware of the draconian Satanists. Yo, they aim to imprison all true beings through ignorance. Yo, we crush the head of Leviathan. Battle my control.
There haven't been a real government since 1933, since the government went bankrupt. You know, and uh, it's just amazing how they can uh, play these mind games, and the people still haven't caught on yet that they're being played. No, that that they're being played. You know, you got a lot of uh, young people going to the military, and they're going overseas and getting killed and they sell messed up, you know, losing limbs and for everything, for something that they don't even have here. You know, uh, a lot of them come home, be homeless. Uh, some of them, you know, not even appreciated even. Uh, it shows that by a lot of our veterans being shot down in the streets by the so-called police or policyholders. You know, and it, it, it's, it's it's something, you know, and the, and the beat goes on. And nobody ever questions or stops, you know, when all this ever ends. War, a war over there, a war for this, a war for that, you know. War in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan. And, you know, they, they haven't woke up, I mean, all this time since World War One, you know, uh, to Korea, Vietnam, the Persian Gulf, I mean, all this crazy mess. You know, so it was just a thought I just put into the people's minds, you know, just a thought for other people to think. I'm going to read something here. Uh, it's called A Divine Warning by the Prophet for the Nations. Okay. Uh, before I start reading, uh, I know some of you probably heard a lot of negative uh, things about, you know, certain Moors from the Moors Science Temple of America Incorporated and uh, on certain shows on YouTube. You know, seems like that's all we do, you know, is just uh, debate against each other, said a lot of negative things about each other, and Nobody is really building, you know, not anything positive is all negative. Nothing productive is all non-productive or counterproductive, you know, and it's no good. You know, that's something. That's one thing you'll never see me do uh, on any of those shows, uh, debating with anyone, because it's a waste of time and you're not producing anything for our people. So what good is it? You know, it's all about certain people making money. Uh, there are certain individuals that, that I know that made some millions off of that. They don't really care about who's right and who's wrong. Uh, really about the, uh, the, the development and the upliftment of our people. All they care about is getting paid. You know, uh, I'm not going to name any names tonight, but uh, some of you that watch YouTube and be on Facebook or be on the internet a lot. Know what I'm know who and what I'm talking about. So I'm I'm here tonight to clear up a few things. Uh, certain get certain Moors in the my in the Moors Divine National Movement. I'm not in the Moors uh, uh, the Moors American uh, Moors Science Temples in America uh, on YouTube talking about the way certain people like myself or even Taj Tariq Bay 
or a severe bay, how we teach it. That's not uh, that's getting away from the teachings of uh, Prophet Noble Drew Ali, you know. But my, my thing is they act like they actually knew the man. You know, have, uh, my question would be to them is, have you ever sat down with him? Have you? Did you ever know him? How he thought, you know, how he felt about certain things. You know, this is what I'm talking about. And the people that did sit down with him and people he did talk, both of those people, are, if not all of them, are, are uh, passing to transition. So nobody knows how that man actually taught. All I can say is the things he did teach, we can take those things and take it from there, you know. That's all we can do. This is the year 2018, or about the Moorish calendar, 1438. I'm going to go ahead and read this, uh, a divine warning by the prophet for the nations. The citizens of all free national governments, according to their national constitution, are all one family, bearing one free national name. Those who fail to recognize the free national name of their constitutional government are classed as undesirables and are subject to all inferior names, abuses, mistreatments that the citizens care to bestow upon them. And it is a sin for any group of people to violate the national constitutional laws of a free national government and cling to names and to principles that delude to slavery. Okay, let's stop right here. Uh, well, uh, what up, B. Eileen and uh, Kadira and, and, you know, uh, Brother Taj, Brother Abdullah Bey, and many of us, you know, what we been talking about for uh for the longest, I don't know how many years, uh, about the nationality and the name correction of our people. You got people that claims to be on uh that that they're indigenous but they still carrying Eurocentric or Germanic names. But talking about they're indigenous. And I spoke about this before on several other blog talk shows. And the reason why I keep repeating myself, the reason why I keep repeating it, uh, and the reason why Taj Tariq Bay, I believe, uh, uh, that says a lot of the same things also, because, uh, man, I believe about 80% of our people are still not getting it. And it's coming to, and it's coming where it's, it'll become dangerous for our people to not to, uh, to know these things and not to take uh, suck these things in, these things in, uh, to take heed what we're talking about. Like it says here, uh, uh, cling to the names and the principles that delude to slavery, and most of our people are. We've got a lot of our, our people listening to this uh, DNA Ancestry dot com BS. You know, it's a bunch of BS. They cannot trace. That far into your uh, to uh, your family lineage, and when they do get down to to the nitty gritty of it, it'd be by a thousand people. And which one are you? And when they do take the DNA samples from you, 
they don't test it. They they test it with the Algonquin or or with the uh, Mongolian or Mongoloid people or the so-called Indians. Of course not. You are not. It's not going to match theirs. They tell you you your your family lineage goes all the way back to Ghana or Northwest Africa or Guinea or Gambia or the Sudan. You've got a lot of people uh, dealing with especially this program on YouTube called Africans Ain't Africans. I mean, African Americans Ain't Africans. But they they, they uh, always bashing Moors. Well, I call it Moor bashing. And bashing the Moors, you know, but the thing is, why are they carrying these uh, Eurocentric names that delude to slavery? And talking about you are an indigenous. Are you kidding me? Come on. Get real. A lot of these so-called scholars don't even know or, did, or never did any research. They never did any real research on the word or the term more. My thing is, how can you not be a more? As I heard one uh, brother said on YouTube, uh, we are not Moors, period. Calls himself indigenous, aboriginal indigenous man. Okay, uh, more meaning people of the land. More means land. More means land, waters, the rivers, the lakes, ponds, lakes, rivers, oceans, and the high seas of the planet Earth. Okay, that is those are people of those things I just talked about. We are land-based people, water-based people. We are based to the earth. That is our connection, the earth. That's what a moor is. And yes, moor can uh, be mean a lot of land, hills, mountains, rivers, lakes. Yeah, moor does mean that. But it also can be applied to people, and it has been applied to people. And it is apply to people, which is us. Any dark-skinned man that is attached to the land and the waters of the earth, that is a moor. Any people that is attached to the land of the waters of the earth, the hills and mountains of the earth, that is a, those are moors. We are moors. You hear some people say, I'm not, well, I'm bloodline moor, you know, I'm not one of those temple moors, but I'm I'm here to uh, to correct some of that also. No, all bloodline moors. It's just that the uh, the moors and the temples are not taught that way. That they are bloodline moors. <coughs> They're not taught that way. You know, I heard. Uh, one sister saying that I was uh, I, I, uh, I'm a bloodline more because I traced uh, my lineage all the way to the Berbers and the people of Egypt. Now, where she went wrong at, she didn't have to go all the way there. You just can't trace yourself back to a lineage somewhere, uh, just one spot 
on earth and then claim an inheritance, you're going to have to go all the way. You can did that here. Because, why? Because we are a global people. We worldwide. Not just certain spots. Uh, where Berber's at, or Egypt. That's not correct, neither. In the Philippines, call themselves Moros. Moors. Maui, Hawaii. Maui, Hawaii is another ancient name for or word for Moor. So we are a global, worldwide people, not just one particular area in the world. A lot of people trace our history about the Moors in Spain from 711 A.D. to 1492 when the Moors fell in Granada, Spain. And that was the end of the Moors. That's a lot of people's understanding. Really, that's a lot of people's understanding of us being Moors but don't really have the true understanding or let them do any real research. <clears throat> never did any real research. Like I say, a lot of them never did any real research on what, what more really means. How can you be, or how can you claim yourself to be an aborigine, indigenous man or woman, and you're not a more? You're not attached to the land and the waters of the earth that you are supposed to be aboriginal indigenous too. That doesn't make sense. And that's my question to a lot of these indigenous brothers and sisters that are always uh, uh, talking about they're not moors. The term more aboriginal or aborigine, uh, the aborigine is where the word aboriginal comes from. It's actually Aborigine, Indigenous, Atoshtonous. All these three words, including the word more, are all synonymous terms. No and more, as I said it, I don't know about it, a, a thousand times, no, more does not mean black. That's in the Greek language. The term more was around, I don't know how many thousands or hundreds of thousands of years, probably into the millions, before Greek was even uh, existed. Or the language, which we gave to them. Okay? Let me move along, okay? I, the prophet, was prepared by the great God Allah to warn my people to repent from their sinful ways and go back to that state of mind of their forefathers, divine and national principles, that they will be law abiders and receive their divine rights as citizens, according to the free national and constitutional that was prepared for all free national beings. They are to claim their own free national name and religion. This is what he's telling you, you know. Okay, let me go on. There is but one issue for them to be recognized by this government and nations of the earth 
and that comes only through the connection of the Moorish Divine National Movement. Let me stop right here. Now, when he said there is but one issue for them to be recognized by this government, he's talking about the government, our great seal government, our government under the great seal. Not this corporation, what they call a government today. And this is where a lot of the temple moors have got it all confused and twisted up. They think you're supposed to follow the laws and everything of the government. Yes, you are, but not the corporation that they have now that they call United States. North America was not always, North Central America, what I call it, not always, haven't always been called the United States. This is the this is the, this is the American Republic. The American Republic has been overthrown. The Great Seal has been overthrown. That's why you hardly see any any of us speak up under it. Okay, let me move along here. There's but one. Okay, uh, hold on. Okay, I'm gonna read this over again. There is but one issue for them to be recognized by this government and nations of the earth, and that comes only through the connection of Moorish Divine National Movement, which is incorporated in this government and recognized by all other nations of the world. He's not talking about the government again. As I say again, he's not talking about the corporation. Our government has been overthrown. This government, this government here, uh, well, what most people recognize as a government, is only a government in name only, in name only. Like a lot of these other countries across the world, they are corporations. They are not real, actual governments. And it's a foreign corporation at that. Crown of England and of the Vatican of Rome, which the Vatican has 60% of it. Now probably owned by China. Because they didn't sold out. When China gave a lend to the United States Corporation all of that money. They said, uh-uh, we're not taking them fiat notes, them Federal Reserve notes. No, you better come to me with my money. We deal with gold and silver here. So now the U.S. corporation, what everybody thinks is the government, U.S. government is now in debt to China. China has so much interest over here, it's not funny. You get I don't know how many Chinese troops in Chicago as as we speak, stationed in Chicago, also in Maryland as well. 
me and the brother were talking earlier today. Yeah, because they're here to protect their interests. These are serious times, people. We need to wake up and start being black people and start being Moors, start being Aborigine, Indigenous, Atoshtonous Americans. Start being Asiatic people. Start being Moroccans. All right. And through it, they and their children can receive their divine rights, unmolested by other citizens that they can cast a free national ballot to the polls under the free national constitution of the state's government and not under a granted privilege, as has been the existing conditions for many generations. Yeah, meaning, meaning existing conditions like... Um, uh, granted, like say, say under uh, under a grant, a granted pr- privilege, uh, uh, naming driver's license, all other kind of licenses, which are not laws at all, statutes, codes, ordinances, which are not laws. There are a lot of us that think that we are U.S. citizens. If you are a U.S. citizen, then why do every president and every 25 years have to sign a contract for you to vote? There's a lot of our people don't even know that. president that's in office uh, uh, every 25 years. He has to renew that contract for our people to vote. Why? Because they are 14th Amendment citizens. But a lot of so-called white people don't know uh, when they got hold of the birth certificates, that made them 14th Amendment citizens too. Another thing that gets me a lot about these uh, brothers, and most of the brothers on YouTube and on Facebook, they never, never, never debate with any of these Europeans. They never talk about them. They always want to talk about uh, what Taj Tariq Bay is not doing, Sabir Bay. They always want to talk about all the brothers that are doing some good out here. They always want to say something about my good friend and brother, Dr. Arlene Elbey. But you never hear them call out these Europeans. The Moors, enslaved, uh, the Africans and, and Southern Africa. Well, hell, they were Moors too. You talk like we are some kind of club of so-called black people with some kind of religion. That's not what. That's not what, what a Moor is. Always saying something 
how horrible the Moors are or were. How they enslaved their own people or the biggest race traitors. And most of these documentaries are sponsored by our own people. That a blip. But they never talk about these Europeans. The ones that's really suppressing them. Well, you can't tell me that these brothers out here that are doing these things are not agents. You can't tell me that. They're co-intel-pro. They have to be because I don't believe that they're that ignorant and dumb and stupid. All right. You who doubt whether I, the prophet, and my principles are right for the redemption of my people, go to those who know the law in the city hall and among the officials in your government and ask them under an intelligent tone and they would be glad to render you a favorable reply for they are glad to see me bring you out of darkness into light. Money doesn't make the man. It is the free national standards and power that make the man and the nation. The wealth of all nation, the wealth, the wealth of all national governments, gold, silver, and commerce belong to the citizens alone. And without your national citizenship, by name and principles, you have no true wealth. And I am hereby calling on all true citizens that stand for a national free government and the enforcement of the Constitution to help me in my missionary work because I need all support from all true American citizens to the United States of America. Help me to save my people who have fallen from the constitutional laws of the government, and I am depending on your support to get them back to the constitutional fold again, and they will learn to love instead of hate, and we will live according to love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice, supporting our free national constitution of the United States of America. Okay, got some more here. I love my people and desire their unity. And Mine back to their own free national and divine standard because day by day they have been violating the national and constitutional laws of their government by claiming names and principles that are unconstitutional. And, and a lot of and our people have through generations, generations, through generations. How are you going to uh, talk about you're an indigenous or an aboriginal man, and you walking around here with Eurocentric names. But want to bash the Moorish Divine National Movement. Talking about Moors are not indigenous to, uh, to the Americas. Here it is. The United Washington, D. the Monday, a Moor Empire has been around for a hundred, over, well, I might as well say over a hundred thousand years. 
It's been proven. It's been documented. It's been re- recorded. The Empress Veriachi Gustin Tunica L. Bay, she won the land grant. She won. It has 60, over 68,000 acres of land from the Gulf of Mexico to Canada. If we are, if Moors are not, in, if Moors are not indigenous to this land, how in the world did, did, did she win her case? How was she able to do that? You think you think these Europeans would have grant, grant her all that acres of land? If you can approve and the rest of us who we are, <coughs> think about it. Well, there's in the Library of Congress, in the Congressional Records. We're going to say Moors are not indigenous to, uh, to this land. Well, evidently, those people that are saying that have uh, done their homework, haven't done their research. Why? I don't know. The United Washington deed of the money of Moore Empire, that means the term Moore was used for, for a very, 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 very long time. A very, very, very long time before Greek was in existence, for that matter. Okay, we move along here. If Italians, Greeks, English, Chinese, Japanese, Turks, and Arabians are forced to, forced to proclaim their free national name and religion before the constitutional government of the United States of America, it is no more than right that the law should be enforced upon all other American citizens alike. And all other governments, governments, when a man is born and raised there and asks for his national descent name, and if he fails to give it, he is misused in prison or exiled. And any group of people that fail to answer up to the constitutional standards of law by name and principles, because to be a citizen of any government, you must claim your national descent name, bear trust upon issue and names formed by their forefathers. And that's right. This is what they do. In Russia, I mean, not in Russia, but in Africa, any of the African nations, I hardly ever hear them. When they come over talking about they are black Africans. They hardly ever say that. They always name their country. I am from Uganda. And they'll tell what... What nation tribe they belong to? 
and the language of that tribal nation they speak. I am from Soweto. I am Botswana. A lot of uh, brothers and sisters go over there talking about the Africans. Uh, but like one sister said, uh, you better be, uh, 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 if you don't know what tribe or where you're from in Africa, you you probably be in trouble. And why I'm saying that, because there are tribal wars and conflicts that's going on over there now. You go over there talking about you African, but you don't know where, where, where in Africa. Where from? You from Guinea? Or you from Gambia? Where? You know, uh, where? And what tribe do you belong to? Are you identified with? Just because you know about certain tribes over there, don't 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 go over there and say it and, and 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 call it off neither. Telling them that you uh, you falsely belong to one of those tribes because they probably cut your head off. Because like I said, they had they got tribal conflicts over there. Come on, you African. And you don't uh, you don't belong to any one country over there. You don't even speak that one tribal language over there. And talking about you African? Are you out of your mind? This is what I'm saying. You can't go. Uh, I heard one. You gonna get some certain sisters and brothers talking about. Yeah, if you born here, uh, that make you an, a native. No, it don't. No, it do not. In order you to be native anywhere, or only you believe you have to trace, it goes by by the genes of the blood lineage of your families. If a Russian uh, uh, couple had a baby born here, that does not make that baby a Native American. They have to trace their blood lineage all the way to Russia. Cannot be anything else that their ancient foremothers and forefathers was not. If your ancient foremothers and forefathers were Russian, well, so are you. If they are Russian yesterday, then you are a Russian today. Plain and simple. Don't believe me? Go over to China. Any of any, any couple. I go for Asiatics too, and have a baby there, and ask those Chinese, does that make does that make your uh, make your baby a native China China Chinese, and see what their response would be to you. The word Negro deludes in the Latin language to the word nigger, the same as the word colored deludes to anything that is painted, varnished, and dyed. Okay, now I'm going to get into the word nigger. Okay, well, 
the word nigger also what I've been finding out doing research uh, also can mean noble. Nigger, the word the term nigger wasn't uh, so much of a derogatory term to our people until I found out later in years through my research and study. It also means noble. Or noble people. There are those will not agree with this, of course, but all I can say is do, don't take my word for it. Do your research on the word nigger. Just do, do, your, do your own research and see what you, what, you, what you will come out with. Okay? All right. And every nation must bear a national descent name of their forefathers, because honoring thy father and thy mother, your days will be lifted upon this earth. Their names have been recognized by any true American citizens of this day. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm going to skip the line. Let me read this over again. Okay. And every nation must bear a national descent name of their forefathers, because honoring thy father and thy mothers, your days will be lifted up on this earthland. These names have never been recognized by any true American citizen of this day. And that's true. Through your free national name, you are known and recognized by sad national by the sad national government in which you live. The 14th and 15th Amendments brought the North and South in unit, placing the Southerners, who were at that time without power, with the Constitution body of power. And at that time, 1865, the free national constitutional law that was enforced since 1774 declared all men equal and free. And if all men are declared by the free national constitution to be free, and equal, since that constitution has never been changed, there is no need for the application of the 14th and 15th Amendments for the salvation of our people and citizens. So there isn't but one supreme issue for my people to use to redeem that which was lost, and that is through the above statements. Then the lion and the lamb can lie down together in yonder hills, and neither will be harmed because love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice will be ringing in this land. In those days, the United States will be one of the greatest civilized and prosperous governments of the world. But if the above principles are not carried out, out by the citizens and my people in this government, the worst is yet to come, because the great God of the universe is not pleased with the works that are being performed in North America by my people, and this great sin must be removed from the land to save it from the enormous earthquakes, diseases, etc. And I, the prophet, do hereby believe that the administration of the government being more wisely prepared by more genius, I mean by more genius citizens that believe and their free national constitution and laws through the help of such class of classes of citizens. I, the prophet, truly believe that my principle, 
that, that my people will find the true and divine ways of their forefathers and learn to stop serving the carnal customs and merely ideas of man that have never done them any good but have always always harmed them. So I, the prophet, I am hereby calling aloud with the divine plea to all true American citizens to help me remove this great sin which has been committed and is being practiced by my people in the United States of America because they know it is not true and divine way not the true and divine way without understanding that they have fallen from the true light into utter darkness of sin. There is not not, not a nation on earth today that will recognize them socially, religiously, politically or economically, etc. And in their present condition of their endeavors and which they themselves try to force upon a civilized world. They will not refrain from their sinful ways of action and their deeds have brought Jim Crowism, segregation, and everything that brings harm to human beings on earth. And they fought the Southerners for all these great mis- misuses. But I have traveled in the South and have examined conditions there. And it is the works of my people continuously practicing the things which bring dishonor, disgrace, and disrespect to any nation that lives in the life. I am hereby calling on all true American citizens for moral support and finance to help me in my great missionary work to bring my people out of darkness into marvelous light. This is from the prophet. Okay, but this is what he's. This is what uh, the the uh, this warning. Uh, from the prophet for the nations is about, but you know very much today as yesterday, our people are very much making the same mistake, calling themselves black, African American, people of color, which is the three normal uh, terms they use today. Yesterday it was colored and Negro. Keep on identifying with these false identities, which are not identities at all. You've got people in the so-called conscious community that keeps, you know, calling themselves black, black power. You know, uh, black actually in in uh, in Latin means Negro. And the Latin word, Latin language, was long before the English language. It's just like it's just as a, a sound shift in words. It's just like uh, you saying uh, in English, "I'm an artist," and in Spanish, you say uh, you you may call a person, or you may say to a person, and find out he can draw or paint or whatever, and he's, and you may say. Eres artista. You you're saying that you are an artist. Artista, artist are one and the same. This is a sound shift in words, a different language, but you're saying the same thing. Same thing with Negro and Black. But you go to show you now. Go to show you 
how sleep our people are. You walk up to them and say, hey, Negro, Negro power, Negro power, Negro power. They will get mad with you and will, will want to fight you for calling them a Negro, not knowing that black power and Negro power is the same thing. You're saying the same thing. A lot of people uh, said that uh, uh, a lot of the Moorish roots or the roots of of us being Moors, you know, don't have any indigenous or aborigine uh, history, you know. That's a lie. It's a lie. They haven't done their research. They haven't. They don't research into the word more. Here it is. I'm going to read this here. It says, Africans in the ancient and early Americas, a Moorish science temple in interpretation. Their Moabite and Canaanite dominion extended from the northeast and southwest Africa across the great Atlantis even into the present North, South, and Central America, and also Mexico and the Atlantis Islands, Caribbean, before the great earthquake, which caused the great Atlantic Ocean. This is the Moorish Corinthians, chapter 47. And those of you that are in the Moorish Divine National Movement that's listening to this, and those of you who are not in the Moorish Divine National Movement, get you a Holy Koran. A more, uh, more science temple, Holy Quran, Circle Seven, and check out and check out Chapter Forty Seven. Okay, I'm gonna read this over again. Okay, their Moabite and Canaanite dominion extended from the northeast and southwest Africa across the Great Atlantis, even into the present North, South, and Central America, and also Mexico and the Atlantis Islands. The Caribbean before the great earthquake and which caused the great Atlantic Ocean. This is in the Moorish Quran, Circle 7, Chapter 47. All right? Check it out. America is not fully intelligible until one has seen Barbary. The life of the larger part of the New World is full of arts, institutions, and terms of speech that have been brought from Africa by way of Spain. The Catholic kings battled long and relentlessly, relentlessly to extinguish the roots of African culture. Yet Spanish civilization is as truly based on Africa as Russian civilization is on Asia. This is by an author named David P. Barrows, historian. It says here, we, had, we already know from our review of Moorish origins, ethnicity, and Chapter 2, then any evidence of an African presence in the Americas essentially indicates a Moorish presence. This is the postulate of any Moorish scientist. Since the beginning of the Moorish science movement, the official literature has supported the view that Moors, uh, parentheses Africans, were settled and trading within the Americas long before the voyage of Christopher Columbus. 
Western scholarship has typically argued that all American Indians had uh, had Bering Strait origins, but there are many scholarly sources challenging that position. The revisiting of such facts and information actually reveals clear connections to African peoples in general and even more specifically. Such a review of evidence also raises questions about certain Indian identities, and the line between African and American Indian is often shown to, uh, by very thin. This is the pre-Columbian evidence of African and Moorish settlements among the most indigenous peoples of America. Let me move along here. In the 1850 work entitled The Origin of North American Indians, author John McIntosh, the North American Indians are of Asiatic origin. McIntosh asserted that the Shem descendants were responsible for fleeing of most of North America, coming from places in Asia, such as China or Korea but then continues of Ham, the third son of Noah. We have nothing to say as this posterity are not considered to have anything to do with the early people of America, except as much as refers to the claims of the Carthaginians, Moors, at a very remote period, such as to say now that Ham was the founder of almost of all African nations and the Philistines, and the Canaanites in Asia. I'll say it again, that Ham was the founder almost of all African nations and the Philistines and Canaanites in Asia. Philistines and Canaanites are Moors, in case you were wondering, or some of you were wondering. Okay? Apparently, even the great so-called black nationalist physician and Civil War officer Martin Delaney was familiar with the contention that Carthaginians had settled a, a ancient in the ancient Americas. Delaney wrote, The continent of America, an asylum for all the various nations of the earth, among the earliest and most numerous class who found their way to the New World, were those of the African race, and it is now ascertained to our mind beyond a pure adventure per adventure and that when that the continent was discovered there were found in Central America a tribe of the so called black race, a fine looking people having characteristics of color and hair, identifying them originally of the African race, no doubt being a remnant of the Africans who with the Carthaginian expedition were adventitiously cast upon the continent in their memorable excursion to the great island after sailing, sailing many miles distant to the west pillars of Hercules, the Straits of Gibraltar. Although McIntosh belittles the Carthaginians' claims and anyone who had supported them, it is clear that a popular discourse existed among 19th century Western scholars about an ancient African presence in the Americas. Yet McIntosh confirms that, that uh, the belief that African uh, 
or parentheses, I got here parentheses, Hamites, were founders of the Philistines, Moors, or Palestinians. Those are the ancient Palestinians, or the ancient people of Palestine. That's why when the uh, lost tribe of Israel were Moors, when they came back to that land in Israel, which is actually Palestine, they weren't wrong. They were very correct. It was the so-called Jews that were trying to deny them of their ancient homeland. <coughs> yeah, that's what's going on. But I hear, uh, I hear there are more and more Moors that uh, that uh, that resides over there than the actual. Uh, uh, European or Semites in Israel, or, or so-called Israel, what I call it, which is actually Palestine. So it's here. Macintosh then goes on to attack the Native American accounts of their own historic origins. He quips, they have neither records nor oral tradition to, to throw any degree of satisfactory light on their character and descent. Macintosh also condemns what he referred to as several historians who have engaged in fanciful invention, men like Gomorra, Lurius, and uh, Lescobot. Although he disagreed with them, Macintosh still identifies researchers who were arguing, arguing that America had been peopled by the Canaanites when they were expelled from Asian lands by Joshua. And I say again, as we all know, Canaanites are Moors. Gomorrah was a Portuguese explorer who wrote of an African presence already in the Americas. When the Portuguese expedition arrived, Gomorrah's account largely echoes that of Pedro Matria. Also, Leo Weiner Quote, Gamaro is saying that they were semi-Christian Negroes, that is, those of Portuguese of or French origin. Juan Santos, at the Lupa, a Peruvian of Indian ancestry, told of a major revolt against the Spanish, which took place short, shortly around 1528. At reported that the Indian revolt was carried out with the use of black African allies. Many historians of Macintosh's time and earlier thought that there were African and Canaanite settlements in pre-Columbian America. Wesley Jones pointed this out in his work on the Mormon Church during the 18th and 19th century that was a popular subject of debate and speculation in Europe as well as the Americas. Many theologians and students of ancient American history even argued that America's Indians and their ancient Hebrews were related. And they were. That's why you can see a lot of ancient descriptions of Hebrew writings, especially in the Grand Canyon, and Egyptian writings, and Phoenician writings, also in certain parts of the country. Okay, as we know from the earliest discussion in chapter 2, 
The ancient holy lands from which the Hebrews came are known to possess intimate cultural and ethnic connections with the African continent. Canaan, Judea, and even Israel were to varying degrees extensions of ancient Kemet, or some people say Hikupta. Some may say Mizraim, okay? All right. Consequently, one would reasonably argue any evidence of ancient Hebrew Jewish settlers in the Americas would be indicative of an Afro-Asiatic presence. Yet men such as Macintosh are found criticizing many chronicles such as Hugo Grotius. Macintosh tried to dismiss Grotius' account saying that the Dutchman simply adopted the opinion of martyr, of, uh, martyr Pedro Matria and imagined that the Yucatan, a province of New Spain, was first colonized by the Ethiopians and that those Ethiopians were Christians. Without any real justification, Macintosh describes such assertions as insensible. Stone races. Okay. Pedro Matria de Anguera was an early 16th century chronicler and a trusted friend of Spain's Ferdinand and Isabella. Anguera was highly educated and even taught the royal children, yet Macintosh still felt justified in calling him insensible. This is bizarre since Matria de Anguera had first hand contact with the areas of the Colombian area Europeans explored to America. In the decade, in the decade chapter 2, Anguera actually places his discussion of Vasco Nunez de Barboa's voice through Asmus of Panama under the heading of Ethiopia tribes. Check that out. Martyr said there were so-called Negro slaves found near Caracua, or Caracas, Venezuela, possibly shipwrecked of this or descendants of Ethiopia who navigated there for robbery. For robbery, Martyr said that the inhabitants of Caracas have internal fights full of hatred with these so-called Negroes. They enslaved each other mutually or just killed each other, but for a reason that seemed no more justified than racial prejudice. McIntosh chooses to aggressively refute the contentions of contemporary account without explanation. The research of New Zealander Barry Fell, and, all, and to remind you, uh, you should read uh, America B.C. by Barry Fell. If you, uh, uh, if you can find that book, if it's still in print, you should read that book. Called American or America BC by Barry Fell. Okay? The researcher New Zealander Barry Fell illustrates several examples of cultural similarities between the African and American continents. It referred to an, an unusual similarity between the homes of the Southwest peoples of El Pueblos and those of the Berbers of Morocco, Alice. Okay, MTS. Fail also suggests a connection between the Habi people of Mali, who describes as black people, and some Southwest American Indians. The West African Habi have have lived within the boundaries 
of the old Moorish Empire. Hmm. Read this again. The Habi Af- I mean the African Habi lived within the boundaries of the old Moorish Empire. The Habi built square stones, houses for their food, and a re- multiple level buildings that are identical to those ancient remains found uh what is now Mesa, Verde, Verde, Colorado. Uh, Colorado. They also used an oracle or cover for their cliff faces with pictographs of mythical and religious themes, which are both characteristic of northwestern American Indian cultures. Fail, Barry Fail also found that the Pima Indian people of the southwestern U.S. possess a chant containing Arabic words. When first recorded in 1908 by a Smithsonian ethnological expedition among the Pima, Smithsonian uh, officials designated it as gibberish. But Barry Fail, a trained linguist, found that many of the words were Arabic in derivation. Overall, Fail found the existence of numerous Arabic words, words among several Southwest Indian peoples. Barry Fell concluded, the Arabic-speaking Nevada people were all acquainted with the mathematics as taught in the Mediterranean Arab universities. Or you can say the Mediterranean Moorish universities. Okay? Such a reference to, to the Mediterranean Arab universities, such alludes to Moorish connections, as such schools have been in the Maghrib dominions of the Moors. Barry Fell also found that several Algonquin words had Arabic roots, particularly those which related to navigation, astronomy, meteorology, medicine, and anatomy. But equally significant and revealing in that many Algonquin words were also found to relate very close with Kemetic and Libyan words. Okay, in 1961, a Chinese professor named Hu Lin Li presented a paper to the American Oriental Society. Li highlighted two geographical works of the Song Dynasty, the Long Wei Tai Ta, in parentheses, in the year 1178 by Shu Shi Fei, Shu Fan Shi, 1225 by Xiao Zhu Ku. Both documents discuss Chinese and Arabic trade in the 12th and 13th centuries. Both works specifically state that the Arabs went beyond the Atlantic coast of West Africa in ships with great cargo capacity. Yeah, I'm explaining the word. Uh, Algonquin, Algonquin is a family of North American Indian languages, which is spoken from the Atlantic coast to the Rocky Mountains. That's the Algonquin language, in case those of you that are wondering what, what, what uh, when I say Algonquin, what that means, okay? Given, given its references to West Africa, it's very appropriate to suggest that the Chinese sources were more like referring to African Muslims, okay? A pictograph found in Inyo County, California, contains the phrase, Yasus ben Maria, which translates as Jesus, son of Mary. The exact phrase is the most commonly found, 
within the surahs of the Holy Quran, al-Sharif. Read this over again, okay? Read this over again. A pictograph found in Inyo County, California, contains the phrase, Yasuf ben Maria, which translates as Jesus, son of Mary. This exact phrase, this exact phrase is most commonly found within the surahs of the Holy Quran, Al-Sharif version, okay, of the Holy Quran. In Nevada, on the west slope of Boundary Peak on the west mountains near Benton, there is another Arabic script which reads Shaitan Mahamayan. It translates as Satan in the front of lies, significantly the first Kufic inscription recognized in North America was a word shams, which is Arabic for sun. It is found in Texas in 1935. Very in fact, contends that a Muslim school existed in Nevada at the Valley Fire, Allen Springs, Keyhole Canyon, Washoe and Hickson, Summit Pass, Colorado, Mesa Verde, New Mexico, Members Valley, and the Indiana Tipper Canoe. He argues that the evidence shows that the presence as, as having been between 700 and 800 common era, or people, some people say Christian era, okay? The rock engravings at these sites indicate that the, Arab, that the language of instruction was North African Arabic written in old Kufic Arabic script. These Muslim schools evidently operated at both elementary and higher educational levels. The late 19th century Scottish historian David McRishty wrote that the groups of ancient America and Egypt and ancient Egypt were both known to identify themselves as children of the sun. Okay, now some of these, that phrase also is related to Freemasonry. Now, Mason means. Uh, Mother's son. Okay, I'm moving along here. It says here. Okay. Jay Wright Jr. informs us that the Neches people of Mobile, Alabama, which is Alabama, and the indigenous, and indigenous, uh, and the indigenous uh, meaning but it has been anglicized as Alabama, okay? It has been uh, the indigenous uh, Alabama is spelled Alabama, A, capital A, H, A, H, I mean, capital A, L, L, A, H, B, A, M, A, Alabama. That's the indigenous name for Alabama. Like I said, which has been anglicized to Alabama. Okay. Parts of Louisiana even built temples of the sun and burial temples for their dead. Natchez was referred to to the honored members as nobles. The Natchez priesthood also carried brass and copper plates, which contained what Wright calls strange characters and Motifs and motifs. 
okay? These strange plates were carried during the frame of the Trail of Tears. That's where the Choctaw and Cherokee people uh, uh, were slaughtered, walking these long, many miles, many miles, many miles. A lot of them died during the Trail of Tears. Okay, that's another story I brought I'll probably bring to y'all on one of these block talk shows. When they and other nations were forced to march from their eastern lands to the Oklahoma Territory and South America, in South America, the German art historian and collector Alexander von Wundernau. Alexander von Wundernau was one of the European men. Let me start right here. Alexander von Wundernau, Wundernau, that's pronounced Wundernau. That's German because there are no W's in German. Okay. Uh, Alexander von Wundernau. Uh, he was one of the uh, so-called European scholars of, the, of his day that classified people by the way they look, by color, uh, phenotype, the hair texture. He was one of them that uh, calling us uh, black, colored Negro, calling Chinese yellow people. Uh, calling uh, certain uh, so-called Native American Indians red, uh, calling Mexicans brown, you know, and so on. He was one of them that started that madness, a silly, a silly foolishness of calling us these name brands. America, the German art historian and collector Alexander von Wudenau describes a group of heads produced by Mixtec art, artists from the Oaxaca region of Mexico as Moorish-looking. Moorish-looking. The heads are from the post-classic 1900 to 1500 common era. He also refers to a superb Moorish-looking clay sculpture of the Veracruz class from 300 to 900 common era, period. This is also a classic era Veracruz sculpture described as by Wuvenau as fine, as fine characterization of an old man with hat. The hat looks identical to a Moroccan fez. This is from the 300 to 1900 common era. A man wearing a sculpture wearing a fez. So uh, when you hear a lot of these uh, indigenous, those Aboriginal indigenous people like uh, the brother on African Americans ain't Africa and the Ab- uh, the Aboriginal or oh, the American Aboriginal son, when they talk this stupid mess uh, about the fez and the turbans being of the desert in North Africa. No, they were they also originated here as well. Why? Because we are a global global people. I'm read this. I'm gonna read this over again. Okay. There is also a classic era Veracruz sculpture described by Wuvenau as fine characterization of an old man with hat. The hat looks identical to the Moroccan style fez. Von Wuvenau also depicts a series of female terracotta heads from Guerrero, Mexico, which he says reflects the traditional headdress 
worn by Moroccan Safari brides. Leo Rayner compared the clothes of Peruvian women to that of Moorish women. See, we were here for centuries, for centuries. All this is documented. This all this is recorded. And those of you who haven't got this book yet, I, I, I recommend you get this book called Othello's Children in the, in the New World by Jose Pimienta Bay. The title of the book is Othello's Children in the New World by Jose Pimienta Bay. Get this book. Okay. The Smithsonian published text, The Native Americans, actually describes the head coverings of the Osage and the Rikawa of the Southeast Plains as turbans. I'll oh, read this over again. I'm going to read it over again. The Smithsonian published text, The Native Americans, uh, this book was written in 1991, actually describes the head coverings of the Osage and the Rikawa of the Southeast Plains as turbans. Young Seminole men are also shown wearing what the text calls turbans, which resemble Maghribi fezzes. See, see, all this, 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 this is not of the desert in Northwest Africa. No, it is not. It is global. It is global. It's not of the desert. Those, I mean, for those I hope you're listening to this uh, uh, blog talk show tonight, and, and those who are listening to it, I hope those who uh, know who I'm talking about, you know who you are, I ain't got to say your names. When I mention the Aborig- or the American Aboriginal son and the uh, African-American ain't Africans, you know who I'm talking about. I hope you're listening to this show tonight. And please, if you don't have this book, please get this book. And please get the African Discovery of America, but also by Leo Weiner. The African Discovery of America by Leo Weiner. Get that book also. So you can start knowing what you're talking about. Instead of not knowing what you're talking about. Okay, I'm moving along here. Young Seminole men are also showing wearing what the text called turbans, which resemble Maghribi fezes, the five-pointed star, which has historically been a primary motive of the Moors. It's also found to be a prominent symbol among Plains Indians like the Osage and Crow. The Osage and Crow nations. Okay, the Navajo, the largest of the North American tribes, possess a symbolic shape called the Naja, a crescent moon. See, I'm trying to clear up a lot of the nonsense that's been going on out here. Okay, this shape often found in jewelry as described in the Smithsonian text as spreading from Muslim North Africa to Spain, then to Mexico, then to the Navajo. 
the inference is that the Spaniards brought it, although the symbol is recognized as having originated in the Andalusian Moors. But it seems rather odd that the crucifix-centered Catholic Spanish would use and introduce a symbol which represented the spiritual motive of their name, nemesis. It is brought from Spain. I think it more likely to have been brought by Spain Moriscos. Moriscos are the ones they call when the Moors uh, were defeated in Spain as Christian Moors. That's what they call Moriscos. Okay. Leo Wainers' research indicates that they were Africans among the earliest European explorers who reached the Americas. Wainer wrote that most likely, says it, most likely, Mandingos first reached America in the middle of the 15th century with the Portuguese explorers. Wainer continued, but it should be, <clears throat> but should it be possible to prove that the French traders had reached America from the Guinea coast, where they were found already at the end of the 15th century. The first contact of Africa and America be set back another half a century. Once more, one must consider the great significance of this Mandinka Portuguese partnership in the exploration of the Americas. It should also be no surprise when we find among Columbus crewmen were Moorish conversion or Moriscos, were Moorish conversos, like Moors uh, when they con uh, converted to the uh, uh, Christian religion or Catholic religion uh, uh, now became Moriscos. Okay, Alonso Pinzon was, was, was the Pinta's captain during the first voyage, and his brother Vincente, Vincente Yanex Pinzon was the first Nina's captain. As, as Dr. Maru points out, the Pinzon family was related to Abazanian, Muhammad III, from 1362 to 66 Common Era, a Marine, a, a Marine Dynasty 1196, 1465 Common Era, Sultan of the Moorish Empire. I'm going to read this over again so you can clearly understand what I just said or what I just read to you. But we, okay, uh, it says, okay, it should be also, it should also be known. Surprise when we find the Mon Columbus crewmen were Moorish conversos, Moriscos. Alonso Pinzon was the was the Pintas captain during the first was the Pintas captain during the first voyage and his brother Vincente. Your next Pinzon was the Nina's captain. As Dr. Maru points out, the Pinzon family was related to Abazan to Abazayan Muhammad the third, thirteen sixty two to sixty six common era. A, Mar a, a Marini dynasty, 1196-1465 Common Era, Sultan of the Moorish Empire. Dr. Moreau's Dr. website provides a long list of Arabic sources which directly addresses the Moorish 
Muslim prisons in the pre pre Columbian Americas. He refers to the fame of Al Sharif, Al Lisi, ten ninety nine to eleven sixty six, the Moroccan born geographer and cartographer, Al Adrisi's famous book, Nashat Al Mashtak, Feel Al Kafak Al Afak, excursion of the long and crossing horizon, recounts how seafarers from North Africa sailed across the Atlantic, which was known as the Sea of Darkness and Fog. Al-Adrisi's work also, uh, uh, also spoke of how these Muslims reached an island with people who spoke an Arabic dialect. Several Arabic works are discussed. The journey across the Atlantic Sea by Sheikh Zain Adin, Ali bin Fadal, Al-Manzandarani, during the late 13th century. Abu Hassan Ali ibn al-Hassan al-Masudi was a Muslim historian and geographer who lived between 1871 to 957 Common Era. His book, Mural al-Danab, was a Ma'adin al-Jawa, the medals of gold and queries of jewels, told of how a Cordovan born Moor named Kalhash ibn Said Ibn Aswad sailed across the Atlantic, leaving in 1889 from the famed Spanish port city of Palos. Aswad reached an unknown territory he called Al Mahula and returned with great treasures. Within Al Masuli's map of the world, there is a large parcel of land within the ocean of darkness and fog. He referred to it as unknown territory, evidently the Americas. Muslim historian Shihab Adin Abdul Abbas Ahmad bin Farah Al Omari, thirteen hundred to thirteen eighty four, also describes an inconsiderable detail of geographical explorations of Milan Sultans beyond the sea of darkness and fog. They account existed in the illustrious Malian work. The pathway is a sign of the province of kingdoms, yet most Western academics and historians have customarily ignored or discounted these Islamic historical sources. After more than 50 years of research, the late German art historian Alexander von Rundenau concluded that, that a cover-up has existed among Western scholars of ancient and early America. Okay, he has said that many scholars have intentionally sought to hide the truth about American African context and the resulting racial makeup of America's ancient and pre Columbian inhabitants. Von Rudenau likens the efforts of, to that of the Nazis and their propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels. Even Leo Weiner stated that any objective any objective evidence and assertions which argued for a pre-Columbian African presence in the Americas was often met with veritable uh, deluge of abuse from certain archaeologists. Amerindian specialist Cyrus Gordon affirmed the dictatorial hegemony of U.S. scholars who specialize in pre-Columbian America. Gordon identifies the late Dr. Alex 
Hedrika as particularly influential. Gordon refers to him as the Caesar of, Amer- of Amerindian ethnology at the Smithsonian. Gordon states that anyone who challenges Hedrika thesis that all the Indians had come across the Bering Straits, the Bering Straits will find it very, very difficult to get a job anywhere in that field. I'll read this again. Gordon states that anyone who challenged Heldrika's thesis that all Indians had come, had come across Bering Street will find it very difficult to get a job anywhere in that field. Although Heldrika had long since died, Gordon pointed out that in his intellectual tyranny had not yet expired. In assessing, assessing von Mudenau's work, Gordon writes, he Von Rudenau not only cites the opposition to defend himself from false charges, but even he quotes opinions he does not himself hold in order to show all sides. The reader is about to enjoy the work and conclusions of a pioneer who has taken a great great deal of abuse in the cause of truth without the standard indoctrination. Was uh, that thing was psychologically free to to see the physical types that the artists of the Americas actually portrayed? Von Wundenau's photos allow for great objectivity. The native artists speak for themselves, and the ancient art does not lie. It only presents itself. Von Wundenau writes one fact, however, is absolutely sure. The pre-Columbian artists continue to betray the individuals of purely Negroid stock. They might have been late descendants of the powerful first wave of Nubian rulers, whose genes undoubtedly were slowly absorbed in the racial pool of America's early population. In America's early population, an excellent example of the of the classic Mayan period is the two so-called Negroes of Copan. Overall, von Wudenau's basic contention is that more than two Millennia before Columbus, before Columbus, African and Asian peoples were present in the New World. He contends that the population of the Americas, Americas was an, an internationally thousands of years before Columbus, and a great deal of amalgamation occurred. Jack Rutherford, another researcher of American history, offers a relevant observation. He point, points out that we, as U.S. residents and citizens, I'm going to say this again. Those who you know about law and civics, okay, listen very carefully, very carefully. Those of you that you know file UCCs and and dealing with uh, uh, executrix and executive letters, listen very carefully, okay. Jack Weatherford, another researcher of American history, offers a reverent a reverent observation. He points out that we as US residents and citizens because boys we are not we are not residents and we are not US citizens neither. Get that in your heads, okay? So he points out, he points out that we as US 
residents and citizens know more about the building of the pyramids of Egypt than we know about the pyramids builders of the Mississippi. We know more about the language of the long-gone Hittites than we do about the still-living Kalichua speakers descended from the Incas. We can decipher the clay tablets of Mesopotamia better than we better than we can the stone tablets of Mesoamerica. The history and culture of America remain a mystery. Remains a mystery. Still, terror, Arcanito uh, after 500 years. I hope a lot of you have listened, uh, listened to what I've just said, or what I just read to you. Okay, what the first thing that speaks to the ignorance of the general public and scholars alike, von Wuhlenau and Gordon, will certainly argue that the ignorance has largely been deliberately prescribed, uh, prescribed by academic oligarchy. The presence of so-called Negro or Negroid artifacts from the archaic pre-classic 2000 before common era and 300,000 common era period have been found in all parts of Mexico, far and to South America. This includes Panama, Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. Significantly, these countries were a part of Spain's vice royalty of New Granada. This Spanish president with the, with the Andalusian name reportedly had the largest number of African peoples in the Americas. Hmm. But the presence of archaic era Negroid artifacts in that area suggests a much earlier African occupation. Although much of the existing evidence of ancient and early African contacts with the Americas had been in the Southwest and Central and South America, Leo Weiner has found evidence in the Northeast as well, based on upon relics, upon a pool from grave sites, when it held that Negroid traders existed as far north as New England. Other scholars have been have maintained that there were ancient and pre-Columbian contacts between Africans and Native Americans, and included the famed German explorer Africa Leo Frambenius. There is also uh, Mr. Brazier de Berborg, identified as the most prominent diffusionist of the 19th century. Dr. de Berborg presumed that the ancient high priest of Egypt had some knowledge of the existence of America and his Paris-based collection of rare books and manuscripts. I'm going to read this over again. I'm going to read this over again here. The most prominent diffusionist of, ninth of the 19th century De Berborg presumed that the ancient that the ancient high priest of Egypt had some knowledge of the existence of America and his Paris based collection of nine rare of, of rare books and manuscripts evidently evidently validated his contention. His eighteen sixty one study revealed that within the areas of Asmus, of Darren, eastern Panama, and northwest Colombia, they were names preserved in the time of the Spaniards of seven princes of this country, Dorian, Dobabda, Abi, Biaba, Abin, Amici, Abraba, and etc. To these seem to have complete Moorish 
of biblical form. Ivan Van Sertima tells us that the Muslim blacks called Almanese were known to have inhabited what now what is now Honduras prior to the arrival of the Spaniards. In a sixteen twenty three text by Englishman Robert Harcourt, Harcourt reports on the friendly Indians of Moronia, uh, a southwest province of Guyana. Harcourt described Egyptian like pyramids among them. <coughs> he reported that there stood a very high call Calipuni fashion like sugar loaf or a pyramid or uh, pyramids. Harcourt also said that these Indians counted time by moons. Von Wudenau drawn as important as important analogy between ancient Kemet and the Americas. It's interesting to note that ancient migration myths of that Hopi Indians in North America contain a detailed description of the hollow stems of Piperus for the manufacture of seagoing rafts. Pat Prius is, of course, historically associated with the Nile Valley of East Africa. I hope all you, a whole lot of you heard that is listening tonight. While discussing a battle between Taharka and his Israelite allies and 600 before a common era against the Assyrians. Von Rudenau's words implied that he saw no phenotype or appreciable distinction between Nubians and Egyptians. Okay, let me say this again. While discussing a battle between Taharka and his Israelite allies in 600 before a common era against the Assyrians, Von Wundernau's words imply that he saw no phenotype or appreciable distinction or appreciable distinction between Nubians and, and, and Egyptians. What I mean by phenotype, looks, the way they looked, they looked the same. Okay? He refers to Tahaka as Egyptian rather than the customary Nubian. However, von Rudenau does refer to some of his artificial, <clears throat> I'm afraid of his artifactual specimens with the spurious designate of white, but he admits that the Semite is a very recent label, originally introduced in the 18th century by two German scholars. So when you, when you hear people talking about Semitic and Semite, those are labels. You're not talking about an identity of a real people. As I said, I say it again, they go by skin color, uh, phenotype, the way a person's uh, face is shaped and look, and uh, hair texture. This is what they're going by today. This is why, how they're classifying people today, how a lot of our people got misclassified.
Okay. Okay, but he admits that the Semite is a relative recent label, originally introduced in the 18th century by two German scholars, Schosler and Eichhorn. Von Wudenau uses this following diagram by a scholar named uh, Poderson to better explain his use of the terms white and Semite. The diagram, the diagram appears in Pedersen's 1928 work. the Aboriginal Semites, Eastern Semites, Northwestern Semites, Southern Semites, Babylonians, Assyrians, Canaanites, ancient South Arabians, Phoenician Moabites, Hebrews, all these are name brands. Whether or not that the Semites, they form a large part of the white race, which extends from Southern Arabia to Mesopotamia, which is filtered into the great Northeast Triangle of the African Continent. Wuthernall's use of white is much like the use of Federal Directive Number 15, which considers white as inconclusive of all original peoples of Europe and North Africa, sometimes even in the Indian subcontinent. He even cites Ethiopians as Semites, and therefore whites. But I, uh, the, uh, a lot of a lot of you that hear a lot of a lot of our shows, and you hear different other uh, us like boys uh, give lectures and things of, of that nature, knows that we always tell you that these are name brands; they are not actual identities of a people. <clears throat> okay, keep that in mind. All right. But my earlier discussion from Chapter 2nd showed, have made clear that such Semitic peoples from Southern Arabia to Mesopotamia were are clearly an Afro-Asiatic people. Given the spurious and uh, obfuscating nature of the term white, it's unfortunate that von Rubenau chose to use it here. It is very unfortunate. But those are statuses. Not identities. That's a status. That's a status. A legal status. Unfortunately, okay. Significantly, Poterson's diagram uh, considers Ethiopians all Babylonians and Moabites as whites. Whites. These particular these peculiar classification brings to mind Diop's brilliant criticism of the East African Hamitic type which is classified as white in the interest of Eurocentrism. Interestingly, interestingly, however, Potus's diagram supports the Moorish science temple's contentions of a genealogical relationship with, between Moors and Jesus of Nazareth. Potus shows that the Armenian, Armenians whose language Jesus spoke and the Moabites the primary ancient name for Moors, which all were all directly related to one another. That language is also inconclusive as Canaanites. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That lineage is also inclusive of Canaanites, Phoenicians, and Hebrews, all of whom have historical phenotype and ethnic connections to 
the African peoples of Kemet. Okay? Because we we are the true Hebrews. We are the true Jews. Not not these Jews you uh you see all every all well you know all the time that you see today. Those are Zionists. They are not true Jews. They are Jewish. That means being like a Jew. That's why a lot of times I don't like to use the term Moorish. It says it's being like a Moor, but not actually a Moor. It's being like Jewish, being like a Jew, but not actually being a Jew. Okay? So those, those of you, whenever I say I don't like to use the term Moorish, now you know why I don't like using it. But I do use it. Indiscriminately, you know, but I just want you to know what that means, okay? Some rather relevant and intriguing information can be found regarding the founder of the state of Pennsylvania, the illustrious William Penn, which is the founder of, Penn, of the state of Pennsylvania today. The illustrious William Penn, 1644 to 1718, actually committed that the American Indians he saw reminding him of the Israelites. Penn stated, for their original, I am already to believe them of the Jewish race, I mean of the stock of, of the ten tribes, from the easternmost parts of Asia to the westernmost of America. And the next place I find them of like confidence of their children, of so lightly resemblance that a man would think of himself as Duke's place or Berry Street in London, where he sees them. But this is not all they agree in life. They reckon by moons. They offer their first fruits. They have a kind of feast of tabernacles. They are said to lay their altar upon twelve stones. The morning, a year. Maya says that in the footnotes, Duke's uh, Place and Berry Street were centers of Jewish quarter in London. Von Mugenau also cites Penn in his uh, his own work and actually helps to specify Penn's uh, general analogy to Jews. Mugenau calls them Sephardic Jews. So significantly, the Sephardic Jews or Sephardim. Historically, have been more of Afrikaner Jews, hailing from Spain, Portugal, and Northern Africa. The Sephardim, the Sephardim were evidently the largest immigrant Jewish group to occupy London at that time. Wesley Jones' work on the Mormon Church actually outlines some of the uh, some of the uh, let me hold up. Outline some of the items which researchers, researchers over the centuries have often cited to support arguments for the Israelite Hebrew Judean orders of American Indians. Monotheism, the division of time by moons, and reference to a great flood were all recurring things among several American Indian nations. There is also linguistic evidence showing Semitic and Hamitic and Hamitic correlations with the languages of various. American Indians. One clearly, clearly popular work was maintaining such connections was Elias Bumano, a star in the West. 
my Lions, uh, uh, yeah, okay, published in the New Jersey in 1816, Jones believed that Boudinot's work may have been the primary source for Joseph Smith's theology for the Mormon church. Okay. From Milton, a haunter and archaeological and Mormon uncovered archaeological and historical evidence which he thought proved a Hebrew-Jewish prison in ancient America. Not surprisingly, he places it within the context of Mormon doctrine. And he believes, he says, the ancestors of the American Indians, the Nephites and the uh, Lamanites and Molochites, were Hebrews. The first colonists came from Jerusalem. Mormon theology also speaks of a man named Lehi, a resident of Jerusalem. He is a descendant of Manasseh, who was descendant of Abraham, the first to be called a Hebrew. Another is Malek, or Malachites, who is of, Ju- of Judah. In chapter of the Book of Mormon, we find reference to Le- Lehi and his sons, Laman, Elders, Lemuel, Sam, and Nephi. In the same chapter, we find, yeah, I wake a, a, I make a record in the language of my father, which consists of learning of the Jews and the language of the Egyptians. Evidently, even the Mormon Church, Latter-day Saints, has retained the old folkloric assertions of Semitic settlers occupying ancient America. In abstract, in abstract, the centennial of the voyages to the New World of Bakari II. 312 and Christopher Columbus, 1492. We are informed that both Bakari and Malian monarch and Christopher Columbus learned from the African navigators of the uh, Gambia and the Gulf of Guinea. According to the abstract, both men were informed of the transoceanic traffic trade. Of the existence and the current that were easy to navigate during the summer and fall of the lead to rich Maya, Olmec, and Aztec and Inca kingdoms and civilizations. The abstract says that neither Bakari, Abu Bakari, nor Columbus were ready to share such geopolitical secrets with their prospective or respective Ottoman allies or the Christian kingdoms in the case of Columbus. The abstract then quotes from Weiner, Africa and the Discovery of America, November 2nd, Columbus decided to send Rodrigo de Xeris and Luis de Torres, who lived with the Osantado of Mercia and was a Jew and knew Hebrew and Chaldaic and some Arabic to see the king of Cuba in order to present the letters and find out all that is necessary. Naturally, a man who knew Arabic, another who knew the language of Guinea, Rodrigo, were especially adapted and to hold Converse with the with the king of Indies. What is clearly implied that this is a native Cuban spoke of Semitic language, also related to one of the three languages, Arabic, Chaldean, or Hebrew. The other reference to the language of Hebrew of Guinea further implies that the Cuban Indian language was similar to African languages. Let us remember the 12th century work of Al-Adrisi, which pre- previously mentioned by uh, mentioned how Arabic was used by earlier Moorish seafarers to speak 
with certain inhabitants of the Americas. While discussing tobacco, Weiner reveals that trade took place between three Colombian American Indians and Africans. Significantly, there are several periods of representation from the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries, which show Africa's features as a symbolic spokesman for tobacco. And Scotland, between 16th and 18th century tobacconists, also placed a moor upon the front of their shop in order to identify themselves as distributors of tobacco. Weiner wrote that Europeans were first introduced through the medicinal use of tobacco via Moorish Spain. According to Weiner, an American Indian, Wampum belts have an African origins. He writes, it can be shown that the Canadian and New York wampum belts are related to the Brazilian wampum belt, which is also it is of African origin. Robert Beverly II is now as now one of the Virginia's finest early historians. Writer in the early 18th century, Beverly alluded to several cultural connections and similarities between Africa and Asia and the Americas. A student of classical and contemporary writers, Beverly held a, spe- a special interest in Indian society. Well-traveled and well-read in geography and history, Beverly said that the Indian foods of Virginia were strange and reminded him reminded him of the strange foods sold in the markets of Fez, Morocco, and the diet of the, of the Arabians, Libyans, Parthians, and the, and the region of Southwest Asia and Ethiopians. In Harold Lawrence's article, African Explorers in the New World, we found we find evidence that both uh, the, the more considerable similarities between the old world of Asia and the New World peoples of the Americas. Not only do the West African peoples have similar names and naming methods, but tribal, group, tribal groups are also designated by the same titles, differing only in the aspects of the occasional prefix or suffix. Furthermore, the women folk of the same region in all appearance could easily be mistaken for American Indians. Jew COVID, a French linguist, showed that several Americans' Indian names were often found among the Moors of Northwest Africa. Well, they say I got 60 seconds, so if they cut me off, don't be surprised, all right? But I'm going to keep on, I'm going to keep going on, because I want you all to have this information, okay? The presence of such African ethnic names strongly suggests that African physical presence and influence. Some of the American Indian names that Calvet argued had African Moorish origins were Atlantis, I uh, can't pronounce that, but the ancient uh, Bokayas, Bokoya of the Rift and the Maghrib, Giznia of the Rift Gauls, Georgi, Gamoras, Guanches, Guanches of the Canary Islands and the Hararas, or Herrera of Morocco. Carver indicated that the Antis, Antris, Guess, and Parisis, Saracen, related to the Saracens, Thames, the Moras, Dorans appeared to indicate Europeanized African names. A Sudanized ethnic tribal name, I mean a Sudanese ethnic tribal name, Marabatine, was also found to compare with the 
Sabatinas and Maravatinas of Portuguese Guinea, now Brazil. The Portuguese Guinea is now Brazil. Interesting. The Marabios of Nicaragua and the Maragini of Venezuela. It is highly significant that ethnic names and national designations of the Morabatin, Morabatinas, Morabios, and Morabatinas would appear among American Indian peoples. All such names are clearly derivations of Morabit and Morabout, which definitely relate to Africa's Moorish Muslims. The 14th century traveler and historian Bantuata referred to the Marabouts as North African frontiersmen, largely remembered for for defending African Muslim dominions from the Catholic European incursions upon African lands. The term is also used to refer to holy men of the Maghrib. The presence of the titles El and Bay, both I mean, among both African and American Indians, it's also significant as they are both both used the uh, are both used by Moorish Science Temple Muslims today. You hear this? The presence of the titles El and Bay, both among both African and American Indian people, also significant. They are both used by the Moorish Science Temple. They use the the, uh, the so-called Indians use these terms as well. That tell you what the ancient Indians were. It was uh, it was us, not the ones they show you on television and the history channels and uh, on Western channels all the time, on cowboy cowboy movies. But almost look European. Okay, here I go. The Onondaga of the Iroquois nations uses the title Il as both a title and a family a family name. We'll say it again. The Onondaga of the Iroquois nations use the title Il or El as both as both a title and a family name. They said that the Il clan sprung from the Seneca, uh, Seneca River. The Il clan is also known to be one of the provincial lines of chiefs in the work of William Bo- uh, uh, Beauchamp. The name of the prominent Iroquois man, Sotus Bay, phonetically corresponds to the Moorish title of Bay, B-E-Y, but they call him Sotus Bay, B-A-Y. That is a anglicized uh, uh, name of the word Bay, the B-E-Y. Another, although Sheikh Antadama doesn't present any etymological or historical origin for the name Bay, he does mention the presence of the Bay clan in Senegal, and West Africa, they have, they have identified them as good luck people. They have said that Bay was one of the Kamurian dynastic clans who systematically refused to embrace the Islamic religion. This appears somewhat peculiar, even, and even uh, uh, the fact that Bay would become a closely associated with an Islamic Muslim identity. Okay. Also, Bay means governor, okay? And L means lord or god, okay? All right, then. I'm uh, ended right here. I hope a lot of you have learned a lot of things that I've uh, read to you tonight and try to explain to you tonight and try to clear up some of the nonsense that's been going on 
uh, about Moors not being indigenous to America. And another thing, uh, uh, a lot of those indigenous people, uh, aboriginal people on the uh, Africans, Americans ain't Africans, and they, uh, they need to correct their names. They need to get a, a name correction. And if they haven't done any paperwork as to, uh, I'd like to get a lot of paperwork, affidavits, writs, to show that they are indigenous people, they need to do so on record. You need to get them notarized. You need to get them, uh, them filed at the county recorder of records and deeds, at the county recorder of records and deeds, but they can be filed for the public record, for the public can see who you really are. So uh, they can see you are actually indigenous and aboriginal to this country and to this land. Then you want to put them also for the court records of your indigenous names and your indigenous uh, 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 heritage and birthrights. And you don't want to stop. You want to go to the uh, to the uh, Library of Congress to also get them filed there under the under the Zodiac Constitution set up by C C M Bay. For more information, you can call this number nine one zero three six four nine zero nine 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 one zero three six four nine zero nine nine. Or you can call this number, 314-644-4425. Call these two numbers if you want any more information concerning what I've talked to you and read to you tonight. All right. I'm getting ready to sound off here. I hope I had... Uh, Enlighten a lot of you. I hope I have helped a lot of you out, and answering a lot of you, maybe some questions that you have, okay, about uh, birthright, nationality, uh, in, indigenous. What is indigenous? What is Aboriginal? What is autochthonous? Autochthonous meaning those who spring forth from the soil of the earth. Aboriginal or Aboriginal is from the very beginning, the very beginning original people of any land. Indigenous as being natural or native to the land. And no, just because a certain person was born on a certain land does not make them native. Does that make them native to that land? No, it does not. You have a lot of people uh, loosely going around saying that, but it, no, it does not. It goes to your genealogical bloodline. It goes to your genealogical bloodline to your ancient foremothers and forefathers. Because who, who your ancient foremothers and forefathers were, yesterday you are today. You cannot be anything else what your ancient foremothers and forefathers was not. And that's a fact, Jack. Now, this is the end of this lecture for tonight. I hope that I've been well informed. Until next time, same time, same station, 
as I say, in the Algonquin language of the Washita, Choctaw language, Bawasamadakunda, which means peace family. I hearte Washita ish. May my spirit and your spirit spring forth with the jaguar. Peace. I'm out. <laughs>